Starring Bela Day in... But, Ma, that's my favorite movie. Oh, well, all right. But don't you spend too much time in front of that TV. Do you hear me? Yes, Ma. Hello, everybody. Welcome to my podcast. But, Ma, that's my favorite movie. And I am your host, Bela Day. Now, if you are new to this podcast, let me tell you how it works. Now, I grew up in the blockbuster era where it was fun to go rent movies. So I am excited to share with you the many movies I have seen throughout my younger years. Now, whether you're hearing about a movie for the first time or going down memory lane, my job is to bring you two movies that fit into a different theme each episode. You should also know that there will be multiple parts to majority of these themes. So if I do one theme and you're thinking to yourself, man, there could be other movies that she could do. Well, guess what? I more than likely will do them. Now, even though the movies I discuss will more than likely be older, when I tell you the summary of the movies, I normally don't spoil the ending just in case you never heard of it and you actually want to watch it because ultimately, even though I'm talking about movies I have seen, it's probably more than likely you probably haven't seen it. Or like I said, if you're going down memory lane, you have, and then maybe it makes you want to watch it again because maybe you don't remember the ending. So I don't like to spoil that part, even though these movies are older. So you are in for a treat today, which I hope will keep you coming back for more. Now, today's episode is titled, But Ma, That's My Favorite Rom-Com Movie. And we will get into that theme in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about our social media and my website. I am available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So please follow any of those pages or all of them if you want to. And on those pages, you'll actually get a sneak peek about upcoming episodes, which I do with a game called Guess the Movie Slash Theme. Now, my website is butmathatsmyfavoritemovie.com. On that website, you can write reviews, give movie or theme suggestions, and more. All of the handles to the social media and link to the website are in the show notes slash description box below. Make sure if you're loving the episodes to give us a review on the Apple Podcast app or on my website. And if you do, you will get a shout out on one of my episodes. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the theme. So a rom-com is basically an abbreviation for a romantic comedy movie. So normally this movie just has a fine balance between romance and comedy throughout the whole film. I haven't done much romance films, I realized. So I figured this would be a good time as ever to go ahead and do it. Plus, we're like in summer. So kind of like, you know, people have their summer romances or flings or whatever, you know. But um, anywho, let's go ahead and get into these movies. So first up, Lights, Camera, Action. His friends would say, stop whining. They've had enough of that. 
His friends would say, stop pining. There's other girls to look at. They've tried to set him up with Tiffany and Indigo. But there's something about Mary that they don't know. Mary. There's just something about Mary. All right, so I kind of gave away the title in that little quote that I did there, which is by the singer Jonathan in this film. And so the movie is called There's Something About Mary. And when I tell you I have not seen this movie, I know it's probably been over 10 years because to be honest, my last memory of watching this movie was when I was younger. So as I watched it, this movie still holds up. Like the comedy is still on point. Everything is just, it's still so great. This is one of the best romantic comedies. Like it's so, so good. Now, um, in this movie, just kind of a little side note here where that quote comes from is basically they have kind of these little I don't know if you would call it like an interlude where basically like when they're going to kind of like a different part of the movie or if like something's about to happen, they have like this trio who kind of sings this song to kind of lead you into like the next couple scenes. And it's it's so funny and, and it's really, really good. And you don't really see that too often in movies. So that was something that was a, a bit different that instead of kind of having like, you know, these musical scores, you actually have like this quartet or like, the, not a quartet, but like a band actually uh, playing music, but it's pertaining exactly to what's happening with this character and what he's going through. So that was really neat. Now, this movie was released July 15th, 1998. Now, the director and the writers are a combination in this instance. Normally I'll have writers that I talk about and then the director, but then sometimes the directors actually write the film. So we have Bobby and Peter Farley, and they've also written and directed the movie Shallow Howl and Me, Myself, and Irene. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the summary. So so Ted has a crush on this girl who ends up rejecting him, which isn't unusual because Ted's not the popular guy in school. Um, he's more on like the nerdier geeky side. He would probably be, if he had to rank him on the totem pole of the guys in his class, probably towards the bottom. Um, I know that sounds terrible, but you know, you know how it is in school. So not too long after he's rejected, he's hanging out with his friends and all of a sudden he sees this guy who looks a little special is getting picked on. So he steps in and he stands up for him. And of course, the guy then begins to go after Ted because he's like, why are you stepping in? Like, who do you think you are? And then Ted ends up getting pushed and Mary jumps in and is pretty much like, dude, what the heck are you doing? And so then everything pretty much stops at that point. And it turns out the kid who's getting picked on, his name is Warren. 
and he turns out to be Mary's brother. Now, Mary is the girl in school that everyone likes, like the most likable, probably would be voted the best smile, the prettiest girl, all that good stuff. And Ted never in his mind even tried to ask Mary out or do anything because she was one of those girls that he felt was out of his league. But um, to his surprise, after the whole situation with Warren, Ted ends up walking Mary and Warren home and they're having a good conversation. And it's actually funny because Warren's a pretty big guy. Okay. And he, at one point, cause he is mentally challenged, but he tells Ted like, Hey, piggyback ride, piggyback ride. And so Ted is like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like he's a big dude. He could carry me because relatively in size, Ted is smaller than Warren. So then Ted jumps on Warren's back and they're having a good time. And Mary's thinking it's funny, but you know, you could tell she likes that Ted is interacting with her brother. And so then Ted gets off of Warren's back and then Warren's like me next. And so he jumps on Ted's back and you hear this loud cracking noise. Like Warren definitely did something to his back. And unfortunately for Ted, he ends up walking with Warren on his back all the way or the rest of the way to Mary's place. So once they get there, you know, Warren gets down, then he runs off to the house. And Mary at this point brings up prom to Ted. And she's like, hey, are you planning on going? And, you know, he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, would you want to go with me? And his instant reaction is, oh, well, you must be going with a bunch of friends. Like, that's why you're inviting me to like maybe a group date. And she's like, no, like, will you go to prom with me? And of course, this completely catches Ted off guard because he did not think Mary out of all people would want to go out with him. And so the day of prom, Ted comes to the house and literally everything that could go wrong goes wrong. And I normally go into quite a bit of detail whenever I do my summaries, but for this movie, I kind of don't even want to tell you <laughs> because I would like if let's say you've never seen this movie or if you want a refresher, I would highly recommend you go and watch this movie. So I'm just going to leave it up to everything that can go wrong goes wrong. But I will tell you this. He doesn't end up going to prom with Mary because he accidentally zips his man parts which causes him to have to go to the hospital. And when I tell you that whole scene is hilarious, it is so, so good. Um, so they don't end up going to prom. And pretty much from that point, Mary and Ted don't even have much communication. So there was never a relationship that formed. There was never anything that came came up from what was supposed to be the, their date. So now we're fast forwarding 13 years later and Ted cannot stop thinking about Mary and he ends up confiding 
and his friend named Dom that pretty much he wishes that he could have another chance with her because he didn't get a chance with her. And obviously you could tell that she liked him and that maybe something could have came of it, but he never even got the opportunity. And so Dom suggests like, why don't you hire a private investigator? And Ted is not really into the idea because he's like, That's kind of creepy. Why would I do all of that? But then Dom ends up basically telling Ted like, hey, I have this friend. He is this, um, oh, I forgot what his actual job was. It's some type of like claims. I think he was like a claims adjuster or something like that. But basically he kind of did like private investigating on the side. And so he's like, why don't you just talk to him? See what he can find. So it's like, even if you get the basic details of her, you can at least know what she's doing, where she's at, so that uh, you can be able to, if you want to, get in touch with her because obviously you're not over her. And so Ted does end up taking his offer and the man that he hires, his name is Healy. So Healy ends up going to Miami and he finds Mary. Now, as Healy is doing his investigation, he, of course, follows her everyday activities. And he actually realizes that she's beautiful, charming. She's a very selfless, giving person. And he actually starts to develop a liking to her. And he ends up actually figuring out exactly what she wants in a man. Because as he's spying on her, he literally has this device where as she's talking in her home, he can hear everything she's saying. Um, Then they were at a restaurant at one point. He was sitting at a different table. He could overhear their conversation and her detailing what she wanted in a man. And so what he ends up doing is going back to Ted and he pretty much makes up all these things about Mary to make her undesirable. So Ted will no longer want to pursue her. He's telling Ted that she has all of these kids. She's chunky now. Like she's in a wheelchair. Like he's just making up these really outlandish things. And initially Ted becomes uninterested. But then after thinking about what he said and obviously still not being over Mary, he decides that... Even though she got all this stuff going on, he would still like to get in contact with her. So when he tries to get the information from Healy, it turns out Healy's actually like moving to Miami. And at first Ted's like, that's weird. And he's like, oh, well, I got this whole opportunity, blah, 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 whatever. He's just making up stuff. And so Ted's like, okay, well, whatever. Can I get the information for Mary? And Healy is then like, thinking to himself dude you didn't even want her so why are you coming to me now but then he's making up more stuff and so he ends up telling her well I'll give you her information after after she comes back from Japan that's like one of his last lies about her so Ted's like okay because he's pretty much trusting in this guy and then Healy sets out to try to pursue Mary and Ted obviously he's still back home he's waiting on Mary's contact info But when he actually goes to his friend from high school, who's like a chiropractor, 
his friend ends up telling him that he saw Mary a few months ago and that she's still a fox. And at first this takes Ted off guard because at first this catches Ted off guard because he's going off of what Healy had told him. But he finds out that she is an orthopedic surgeon. She still looks good. Like she's not married. All of this good stuff. Like things that he wanted to hear. So Ted ends up thinking that Healy didn't really find her. And so he wants to go find Mary himself. But one thing I'm going to tell you about this movie is that um, let's just say it's not just Healy and Ted that are after Mary because Mary is just this charming woman and she makes any guy fall in love with her. All right. Now, a little side note here. And one thing I was realizing because, okay, Ben Stiller is the um, actor who plays Ted. And, you know, as I was watching Ben Stiller, most of his, most of his movies are comedic. Like, I want to say they're almost like mostly romantic comedies. But um, one thing about him is <laughs> Ben Stiller isn't like him. He himself is not like a Jim Carrey or like a Robin Williams, like super animated all over the place, lots of energy, but he still gives off funny. Like he still has comedic timing. Like he's an actor, actor, but he can do comedy if that makes sense. And so I was just kind of looking at that and I just thought that was really interesting um, because most of Ben Stiller movies from my perspective of the movies I've seen him in have mostly been romantic comedies. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the cast. So we have Cameron Diaz who plays Mary. And I had said this in an episode before, I think it was the previous one, but we're having a bit of a Cameron Diaz moment because she was in the road trip movie episode where she was in the sweetest thing. The Jim Carrey episode, she was in The Mask, and now we're talking about her, and there's something about Mary. Uh, so I, I didn't realize how many movies I enjoy that have, have Cameron Diaz in it. So this is just like Goldie Hawn all over again last season. So I thought that was pretty cool. But some other movies that she's in are My Best Friend's Wedding and The Other Woman. Then we have Matt Dillon, who plays Healy. He was in Crash. And the movie, The House That Jack Built. Uh, we have Ben Stiller, who plays Ted. He was in Tropic Thunder and Zoolander. We have Lee Evans, who plays Tucker. He was in The Fifth Element and Mouse Hunt. We have Chris Elliott, who plays Dom. He was in CB4, which I talked about in the comedy episode. He was also in Groundhog's Day. We have Lynn Shay, who plays Magda. Now... The name may not sound familiar, but she is a huge character in the Insidious franchise. And it's funny because when I saw her in Insidious, I, to be honest, didn't even think about there's something about Mary. But this was definitely the first movie I'd ever seen her in. And it, and when you see her in this movie, <laughs> you were going to be like, oh, my God, I didn't know she could do comedy. Because, you know, she does so great in that uh, horror franchise that you wouldn't have ex expected her to be in a movie like this. 
Um, but she's also in another movie uh, that is darker and it's called Dead End. And oh my God, me and my sister, we love that movie. And that is what I want to talk about as well. So I think this was the first and I think Dead End was the second movie I had seen her in. Uh, the next we have Jeffrey Tambor who plays Sully. He was in Transparent and the Arrested Development series. We have Marky Post who plays Sheila, who is Mary's mom. She was in Michael Clayton and in the bedroom. Then we have Keith David, who plays Mary's dad. He was in, well, he did the voice uh, for a character in Princess and the Frog. And he was also in ATL, which I talked about it in, I believe, episode 33. But Ma, that's Nana's favorite movie. Uh, Then we have Sarah Silverman, who plays Brenda. And I forgot that she was in this movie. Uh, She was in Wreck-It Ralph and School of Rock. And then last but not least, we have Candy Alexander, who plays Joni. And she was in CB4, also with Chris Elliott. And that was in the comedy episode. And she was also in the series Scandal. All right, let's go ahead and get into the fun facts. So around 18 minutes into the film, there is a scene where Ted is on a stretcher and he gets dropped. <laughs> and let me tell you how funny that part is. Like, it it wouldn't be funny if you were in that predicament because who wants to be on a stretcher, which which you already know if you're on a stretcher, you're hurt in some way or something's happened. And then they end up dropping the stretcher. Like, that's the worst. But that part was actually not scripted. And when it happened... They cut to make sure that Ben Stiller was okay. And then they thought it was so funny they left it in, which rightfully so, they were right to do that. <laughs> it, it, it's like comedy gold, okay? All right, the second fun fact we have is the studio was initially reluctant to allow Ben Stiller, the Farley brothers' first choice, to star. So the brothers decided upon a then unknown Owen Wilson instead. And when the studio was even more reluctant to let Wilson star, they agreed to allow the Farleys to cast Stiller, which was a good choice because of course he was perfect. A third fun fact we have is Matt Dillon and Cameron Diaz were dating in real life during filming. They'd been together three years, but broke up almost immediately after the movie was released. Uh, I mean, I, I never really thought or like care to really understand about actors on set that end up hooking up, dating, mirroring, whatever. But when you think about how intimate um, acting is and working with someone so closely, it makes sense how people can end up wanting to be together because you're getting to know each other. Well, you're, I mean, you're almost like it's inevitable to not have to get to know who they are while you're trying to have chemistry and to build a rapport that's going to look good on screen. So, I mean, it happens. And it's interesting who you see do stay together after these movies. All right, the fourth fun fact that we have is the dialogue between Mary and Ted about how there aren't enough meats on sticks was originally written for an episode of Seinfeld that never aired. So the Farley brothers liked it and bought it for use in the movie. And I thought that was really interesting. So 
that type of dialogue was meant to be in a sitcom and they said well it could work for a movie and it did because I mean Cameron Diaz her character and Ben Stiller they were goofy so them catching up and then talking about something like that I mean it's silly but it works for them all right and the fifth and final fun fact that we have for this movie is many of the extras in the background are friends of the Farley brothers so apparently they also used Cameron Diaz they used people that they knew and I think that's always fun because you're not just working with total strangers you're working with people you know and then you're also giving them an opportunity to do stuff and be a part of a possibly historic or iconic movie so um I thought that was pretty interesting all right well that is all for that movie so let's get into the second movie we have here lights camera action that's what I'm talking about where's the sexy cool fun smart beautiful Andy that I knew the one that wanted to be a serious journalist you're up you're down you're here you're there you're like a freaking one woman circus that quote is by Ben played by Matthew McConaughey in the movie how to lose a guy in 10 days this movie was released February 7th, 2003. It is written by Kristen Buckley, who also wrote 102 Dalmatians, which was the sequel to the live action, I believe, of, you know, 101 Dalmatians. The director is Donald Petrie. He also directed Miss Congeniality and Mystic Pizza. Now, this movie was actually based on a comic book um, of a similar name, which is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, The Universal Don't of Dating. And um, it's written by Michelle Alexander and Jenny Long. So yeah, and it says it's like a comic book. Um, But I mean, I was almost thinking maybe it was like a how-to book. Maybe it's a mixture of both, but either way, it is based on a book and it was published in 1998. Now, before we get into the summary, I have to say this. This is one of the movies I have watched literally so many times that I remember when I was in middle school and I don't know if it was before school or after school. I want to say it was like in the in-between time before I was going to get picked up to go to school, this movie came on. Like it would always be on in the morning. And every time I, I came across it on the TV, no matter what part the movie was on, I would watch it. Even if it was towards the end, if it was in the middle, I did not care. I sat there and I watched it. And I can't tell you what about this movie made me watch it so many times. But I just, that's my memory of this movie is in middle school, I just watched this movie so much. You know, obviously it was a movie I really, really enjoyed. But anywho, let's go ahead and get into the summary. So Andy works for Composure Magazine and she has two good friends that she works with. And their names are Michelle 
and Jenny. And so Michelle ends up getting dumped and she's really upset and they're at work and Michelle is telling them what happened, which they'd only been dating for like a week. But she tells them that the first time they had sex, she cried. She told him she loved him. And Andy and Jenny are pretty much shocked by her actions in a very short period of time in their relationship. But instead of judging her, they try to comfort her and they, they try to make her feel okay. Now at the magazine, they have a meeting where all of the journalists gather to pitch ideas for the upcoming issue. She's going around to each journalist, seeing what their ideas are and kind of landing on what their article or whatever assignment they're going to be working on. When it comes to Andy, she pitches the idea of talking about worldly issues. But Andy's boss named Lena denies the idea and makes it clear she's only allowed to talk about lifestyle topics like gossip, hair, makeup, dating, health tips, trends, etc. So after she makes it apparent like, hey, Andy, I get you want to do that, but that's not what we do at Composure. She just moves along. So she's circling around trying to see what other people are going to do. And she lands on Michelle. And Michelle's pretty much like, I didn't get to anything because I'm not feeling well. And so Jenny ends up blurting out that Michelle got dumped. To which Lena is trying to make her feel better. And, you know, even having other people chime in to say, you know, hey, you look good. Everything will be okay. And then she comes up with the idea that, hey, why don't you talk about it in your article? And Michelle's like, yeah, like she's not interested in doing that because she doesn't want to bring her personal life into her work. But then Lena's like, okay, that's fine if you don't want to do it. And then she asks the room, well, who would like to tell her story then? And of course, this frustrates Michelle because she's like, I don't want anyone to talk about my life. But one of the journalists actually says, I'll, I'll do it. And she's like, well, first of all, I don't want that girl in my life. Like my life isn't an article. This is my life. And Andy notices that this has made Michelle upset. So she volunteers to do an article. But she pitches an idea that is more indirect to Michelle's story. Her idea is that how about we do a story about everything you could do wrong in a relationship and she comes up with this idea to like date a guy and then have him go through this trial of like her doing everything wrong and then Lena comes up with the the idea that she can do all this within 10 days um so she'll do the typicals don'ts and then pretty much just try to run them off within that time period then after that we meet Benjamin who works at an advertising company who is trying to get on an account the company just got for this huge diamond company called Dolores Diamonds. But he finds out his boss gave it to two of his female colleagues whose names are Spears and Green. So Ben's grand idea to try to 
take this account from them. He crashes their business meeting and he pitches a completely different idea and tries to convince Warren that he is the guy to be in charge of the Dolores account. This piques Warren's interest because you can tell he's into like his his workers having a little friendly competition, you know, because at the end of the day, he wants to make money. He wants to keep his accounts and he wants his business to run smoothly. So it's like whoever has the best idea wins. So when Benjamin is pitching his idea, of course, the women interject because initially his idea is like, hey, not only are diamonds for a woman, they could be for everyone. And then Spears is like, if it's for everyone, then it means it's everywhere. It doesn't make it rare. It doesn't make it special because that's the point of making, of selling a diamond is to say that it's so special that if you get it, it's almost going to make you special. So, um, they end up kind of battling their ideas and the women pitch that selling a diamond to a woman is like making her fall in love. And Ben pretty much says like, he knows about selling diamonds to women. So one of the ladies suggests that, okay, well, can you not only make a woman fall in love with a diamond? Could you make them fall in love with you? Cause it's kind of this, a similar concept. Like if we're saying, Hey, it's all about making women fall in love. Cause pretty much Ben is pretty cocky and he's saying like, I can make anyone fall for me just like I can make them fall for a diamond. So Ben is confident that he can do that. So they end up making a bet to see if Ben can make any woman fall in love with him. And, and of course Ben takes this challenge and the ladies actually end up choosing the woman for them because Spears actually suggests like, Hey, well, if you can do that, then how about we just pick any woman in the bar? And so Ben's like, okay, now what this bet will mean is that if Ben can make any woman fall for him, then he can take over the account. But here's the twist. Andy, who's doing the column, how to lose a guy in 10 days is at the same restaurant Ben is at. Now earlier Spears and Green were actually at Composure Magazine where they were actually going to be working with Lena on something. And Lena was so excited about this article about how to lose a guy in 10 days that she tells Spears and Green like the gist of what it's about. So Spears remembers this conversation from earlier. And when she sees Andy in the restaurant, she actually picks her. And she pretty much knows that the account isn't going to go anywhere because she knows what Andy's objective is. And she really doesn't think Ben can last or can actually be able to go to -to toe-to-toe and make this girl fall in love with her because she has the opposite agenda of what he's trying to do. But of course, Ben has no idea about Andy's article and Andy has no idea that Ben is trying to make her fall in love. So both of them are far from getting what they want as they both try to struggle to meet their goals. So it is a tug of war there. All right, let's go ahead and get into this cast. So we have uh, Kate Hudson, who plays, we have Kate Hudson, who plays Andy. She was also in one of my favorite movies, Almost Famous and Fool's Gold. We have Matthew McConaughey, who plays Ben. He was in Dallas Buyers Club and Magic Mike. 
We have Katherine Hahn, who plays Michelle. She was in Afternoon Delight and Bad Moms. We have Annie Paris, who plays Jenny. Um, she was in National Treasure and One for the Money. Next, we have Adam Goldberg, who plays Tony. He was in Saving Private Ryan and A Beautiful Mind. Then we have Thomas Lennon, who plays Thayer. He was in 17 again, and I Love You, Man. Then last but not least, we have Michael Michelle, who plays Spears. Uh, we She was in ER and New Jack City, which I talked about New Jack City in my crime episode. All right, so I have three little fun facts here. So the first one, there was an estimated 14.2 million worth of jewels lent to the film. Holy crap, that was some very high-priced jewelry they had there. And I'm sure they were very, very careful with it. All right, the second fun fact we have is the film marks the acting reunion of Adam Goldberg and Matthew McConaughey, who had last appeared together three years earlier in 1999's Ed TV and six years prior to that in 1993's Dazed and Confused. All right, and the last fun fact we have is Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey reunited in 2008 to co-star as ex-husband and wife in the movie Fool's Gold. All right, well, that is all I have for these movies. Please go ahead and comment below if you plan on seeing these movies or if you already have, go ahead and share your thoughts about the film. Also, if you have any other behind the scenes info or if you have some corrections on what I said, then be sure to comment that as well. Now, before I head out, I want to thank my listeners. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. You're a real one, period. And if you're a new listener, thanks for stopping by and giving my podcast a chance. I really appreciate it. Well, you know what time it is. The show is over, the credits are rolling, and I'll see you at the next show time.